Hey, Jordan. How's it going? Hey, Rob. What's up? Well, I mean, it's kind of a rough week. Um, I was I was pretty encouraged with the work that we had been doing with the Biden administration. Um, I was really excited to uh, unveil the big, uh, you know, the $1,400 checks this week. I know I thought that was something that everyone was going to appreciate. You know, we're sending mm-hmm. people money, right? We're sending people checks. Yep. And obviously, the last time we spoke about this, um, it seemed like there was some confusion about you know the, how much the checks were for. Some people, obviously, we both remember that we Biden repeatedly said fourteen hundred dollar checks to for everyone. I mean, that's I, that seemed obvious to me. Um, apparently, it wasn't that clear. So that's why when we worked with the Biden administration on like clarifying this in this post, uh, indicating that this was adding on to the $600 down payment mm-hmm. leading to the a total direct payment of $2,000 per person. I thought it was going to clear things up. I thought we'd be able to kind of like get everyone on, on board with that. And it was just strange. Everyone's got really mad. It was just like extremely angry about this. And it was, you know, I was kind of taken aback. I was kind of, yeah. I was looking forward to that. It's just, it's the Bernie bro types. It, yeah. it it is just oh we just we're, we're we we hate everything. I think ultimately they just want Trump to come back. But yeah, when we wrote that that tweet on the on the POTUS account, it was just I think it was pretty clear. Look, yeah, dollars. Yes, and, and six hundred dollars is is not enough when you have to choose between between paying your rent and putting food on the table. And I think like the best way to ameliorate any of those concerns is to uh, four months to give people uh, money three months or four months later uh, to the amount of $1,400 because, I mean, what are groceries now? Like 10 bucks, 20 bucks yeah, for groceries? I think so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- then they get the best of both worlds. Like, rent is probably $600, I don't know. Um, groceries are probably 10 bucks, 20 bucks. This gets you a lot of groceries uh, and, and rent, for the whole year, I would guess. Yeah, I don't see right? what the issue is. Yeah. So, I mean, exactly. we're helping everybody. And that's why I think this this should cover everything. Um, I don't know. How, how do people get charged rent? Yeah. And to me, honestly, it's kind of a level of greed as well. I think some people. Yeah. I don't probably want a manifestation out. of some kind of like unworked, you know, one worked through issues that they have with their moms and stuff like that. We don't need to psychoanalyze these people. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's a yeah. it's like a global pandemic i know i know mm-hmm. it's i know there's this it's this kind of a scary situation i know there's an economic follow-up but like do people really think they're gonna get twenty six hundred dollars i mean that's oh, we can't afford that you gotta be reasonable when it comes to this stuff yeah this is ridiculous yeah i yeah. think the money we have to look at the budget and we say okay we've got people struggling and people need money to pay for their bills rent is they say they have rent rat stacking up but i mean again how much could it be? And maybe they're just living beyond their means. I think that's probably a lot of it too. Yeah, um, a PS5 like, came out. Yeah, if we don't, if we don't continue to put money in our military, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get attacked by China. We're gonna get attacked by Russia. So we have to keep spending up to, to defend our country. Um, and I think that's a sacrifice well. that's a I would assume everyone's willing to make on 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 the home front. Yeah, absolutely. You would think so. 
But I mean, I guess a lot of these people just hate America. Um, anyway, it's, mm-hmm. the, the problem is it's kind of starting to make me reevaluate some of these other initiatives we've been working on mm-hmm. um, with the Biden administration. I was really excited about a lot of this stuff. I mean, I was really looking forward to unveiling our uh, increased health care access if you start a small business in an economically disenfranchised area program that I thought people would be really excited about. But now it's like I'm starting to rethink that. You know, they're they're getting all angry at us and sending all kinds of mean tweets about these checks. So I thought that would be something that would help a lot of people. But now I'm kind of starting to second guess myself. Okay, I think I got it. If we did that, um, but... They didn't qualify for maybe after operating it three years. If we had some sort of time requirement, we don't want people starting businesses and then leaving once they get the health care. Okay, um, yeah. So maybe maybe generous. give it to them after five, three to five years. Okay. Then people will know we're, we're invested in the long run. Yeah. No, I think that would actually make more sense. And uh, I think that's – and it's the kind of really rolls off the tongue as well. It's going to get really people on board with that. It's winning messaging. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have anything with the immigration stuff that we were uh, we were working on? Yeah. So, uh, you know, as Biden uh, promised pretty clearly in campaign ads during the general election, uh, he was going to sign an executive order day one uh, to start a task force that would help reunite migrant families that were separated. And that's tragic. You know, I just learned about this a couple weeks ago. This is, do you know this is happening? Pretty, pretty tragic stuff. No, I wonder I'm not how it started. I'm not, I'm not sure what the origins of uh, the family detention uh, in this country, but I, uh, I, I, it's bad and I think that we should address it. Um, so he was supposed to sign it on Friday and he didn't. Um, well, he was busy. But I mean, let's that's... just start telling people that he, that's basically done. Uh, yeah. I think that's like, let's just do that. Well, he's, he's planning on it. I mean, what, what do Yeah, which means he's done. So people can stop complaining. Uh, okay. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello and welcome. It's the Insurgents episode 56. And this is Rob Rousseau here. Hey, Rob, what's going on? <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah, me too. This is a late one. We're doing a late one right mm-hmm. now, folks. Not to a little too inside baseball here. It's getting a it's a late night podcasting, and I'm you know I'm very old, so I'm this is very difficult for me. It's kind of like lunchtime for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we don't. We're gonna keep this short. I think we're gonna keep this nice and short. We've got our friend, respectable lawyer. Uh, coming on the show, um, I'm sure you've all you're all familiar with his uh, his his tweets and uh, his uh, takes. We love respectable lawyer. It's his very first podcast appearance. We were happy to have him on the show. It was quite it was a good one. That was in- an interesting fact. He's never done a podcast before. Yeah, I did not know that. I feel special. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's cool. I, yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. I think people are going to enjoy that. I don't know. I just I, we we touched on it in the intro. We we don't <laughs> I don't want we don't need to get too into this, but it's just like. The, the the tweet about the the checks, the fourteen hundred dollar checks, it was just like really astounding, because we were talking about this. I mean, obviously that was been in the works for a while, and I think there was getting some pushback from some people in uh, in Congress or in the Democratic Party saying like, no, you said two K, so you know that's what you should be doing. But now they're really like going forward with this, and the thing I was just really laughing about uh, with this tweet is just this language that they use to kind of justify uh, the the $1,400 checks, the $600 down payment and all this stuff. 
despite very clearly stating on a number of occasions, both Biden and like people like Ossoff and Warnock repeatedly saying like 2K checks, if we get elected, 2K checks out the door immediately, could not have been more clear. Um, and just the way this is like worded and presented in this kind of like used car salesman ass uh, fashion. <laughs> It's just, it's so obvious that they know that they're bullshitting people. It's just so clear that they're aware of it. And it's just, it's amazing to me because it's just like everything that we criticize the Democratic Party for, or just like liberals in general. It's just like, it's unbelievable. It's like, it's the most, it's the most Democratic Party thing that's ever happened. It's this very, very easy win. You promise this one thing. If they got, uh, if they if they took the Senate, they took it. All you have to do is just get those checks out there. Everyone's going to be happy. Everyone's going to be like, "Hey, I voted for the Democratic Party," and they came. They did the thing that they were going to do. It helped me out materially, and everyone would have a good feeling about it. And instead, they're taking this moment now where they're just like giving giving money to people, which is like should be something that would be a popular thing. And they're just like pissing off millions of people and very clearly going back on what they said that they were going to do. It's just like it's truly astounding to me um, that anyone involved in the in the party thinks this is like a good way to do things. It's 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 you almost have to respect it. It's yeah, it's a giant fuck you to everybody. And it's condescending it's elitist and it's par for the course of the democratic party the the framing and the language is so unbelievably disingenuous and i'm, I'm not gonna use like oh this is gaslighting like okay fucking relax also find the new word um but <laughs> it, like it can just be like, lying sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't need to be like psychological like manipulation like i promise you it could be it could be something else and at its core a check worth $1,400 is by definition not a $2,000 check. And when you're using the term $2,000 checks, what do you think people's understanding of that is going to be? And this down payment language, uh, the, oh, $600 is not enough when you're trying to pay rent and groceries. That's why we want to, you know, blah, 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 increase to 2000 Okay. That's not enough either. And it also shows that you don't understand the reality uh, of the uh, modern working person. That doesn't that, that helps one month. People have, some people have have been struggling for several months, and this is a rent is a monthly occurring uh, uh, charge. Yes, groceries you don't buy groceries one time, but when you have a cabinet and an administration and a Congress mostly full of multimillionaires many of whom own their home and maybe even have paid it off that isn't at the forefront of their minds that leaves that 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 privilege and wealth and lack of precarity that afflicts so many people around the country like that leads you to have you know trivial discussions about the debt and the deficit fuck off i don't care and when half the country can't afford a $500 emergency, saying, oh, okay, we're going to get you to 2000 to help you deal with these two you know, burdensome recurring costs uh, just shows you're, you're, you're completely out of touch. This isn't – people, people are struggling and, and this isn't a one-time thing. Uh, people can't pay – People can't pay their bills and they've been struggling for months. This should be a monthly reoccurring benefit. This should be a monthly $2,000 or more. 
Um, so yeah, deep, just, just total lack of understanding, but one more thing. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm very upset about this, but one more thing, (laughs) if they want to do the composite amount, if they want to say, okay, 600 plus 1400 is 2000, you are opening the door to Republicans saying, okay, we gave you 1200. We gave you 1600. That's $400 more than what they're giving you. Yeah. Thank the Republicans. That is the position Democrats want to put themselves in. Incredible stuff, guys. Great job. Yeah. And it's like I was making fun of this, this very clearly, like, ridiculous situation where they're taking that something that should be an obvious, easy win, just a layup, just a layup to make so many people, like, happy and, and like, you know, justify a lot of the people that, that held their nose and voted for the Democratic Party in this election. Easy layup. And they're just fucking blowing it. And I still have people like defending it in my dot to me. And it's just like, I, I, it's like, listen to yourself. You got to listen to yourself. Like you don't have to do this. You don't have to defend these people. Uh, it's ludicrous. Like it's people that are still like, oh no, you're, you're arguing in bad faith. If you suggested that they would thought that it was supposed to be too, it's like, no, they've specifically said two, as you, as you pointed out, two K checks, we, we use those words and then you, you equivocate and mince it afterwards and change it to something else. That's very clearly, it's like the fucking main character of Fargo at the true coat. You know, it's just like, you're very obviously uh, screwing people over uh, and lying to them. And I still had people like defending it to me. And it's just like, that that to me is like peak peak liberal brain when you're just like you're taking something this fucking blatant and you're still making excuses for these people and it's just like it's very it was, grim very grim yeah there's just a certain type of person that I have just absolutely no respect for and it's a person who has, it like just kind of pledges their loyalty uh, and is completely subservient to the Democratic Party itself as like a entity like. They love being a Democrat and they like take pride in being a Democrat, capital D, like the part, like the party itself and their association with the party brings meaning to their life. Yeah. That is a sad type of person. Yeah. And these people like have just proliferated lately. Like the people who have like Biden and Kamala related hashtags and profile pictures and like dedicate their full accounts and like their full identity and association with politics to this party specifically really fucking weird yeah well something really, we really about weird. too it's like it's like this very liberal phenomenon too where it's people that they take their cues from the leadership the very powerful people in the leadership of this party about what mm-hmm. to believe and then they go and believe that when it's supposed to be the fucking that's the opposite of the way that politics is supposed to work the people in the party are supposed to be taking their cues from the people you know, that make up the party and they're yeah. supposed to be like demanding things and then the, the the you know the people in the leading the party are supposed to go out and fight for it and literally it's been completely turned on its head it's like we tell you what what to believe and then you that you know you go with that it's like right. it's it's not good it's really not good yeah um and just be obstinate don't don't cave to these people be annoying be a thorn on their side demand more like you don't have to accept their terms and here's the thing like that that 1400 isn't even guaranteed jeff stein is reporting that republicans are already trying to walk back that amount so (laughs) the, the the democrats genius starting point was the exact threshold that would get them to $2,000. So any compromise <laughs> brings them under that amount and guarantees a, a walk back on that campaign promise. Yeah. It's like the pawns, the guys at the fucking pawn shop on that, on that 
reality show can negotiate better than the Democrats. It's it's incredible. Like that's a fundamental rule of negotiating. You go higher than what you actually <laughs> yes. want. So when they walk you back, you get what you want. It's so fucking simple. Yeah, I thought I mean, no, sorry. I thought the I thought it was that you uh you you pre-negotiate before you sit down and then give <laughs> them the offer that you think that they'll like. That's yeah. the Democrat way of doing things. That's what I thought the, the political geniuses that run the Democratic Party. That's, that's what's so to do funny stuff. about it. Because Republicans on that on that tactic are great. Because they're like, yeah, get rid of the entire fucking EPA. Get rid of this entire Department <laughs> that's of Education. Point. Yeah. That's our starting. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, oh no, don't get rid of the 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 D- Department of Education. Then you are negotiating on their terms, even in a minority. They're just like, no, nothing, absolutely nothing whatsoever. And then you're like, okay, well, can we have like 10 bucks, please? <laughs> no, no. What does say fucking 10,000 and make them walk you back, you morons? Yeah. Well, that's it. And we can, we can end on this and then get to a respectable lawyer. But I think that's something that we talked about a lot last week. That's the kind of central question right now is whether the Democrats are going to make the same mistakes that they made in 2009 and yes. lead to the, 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 again, the same kind of crushing midterm losses that I think everyone now is expecting. <laughs> yes. uh, and it's weird because I've seen some signs that some people around the party seem to get this. Even fucking Chuck Schumer is saying stuff like he's there, like specifically addressing that. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not going to let them uh, water down down our stimulus and then lead to a, a slower recovery and all this stuff. So, you know, I, I, I really wanted to believe that maybe that there's some people in the Democratic Party that grasp this like basic idea, but then shit like this happens and it's just like they're just they haven't learned anything. It's just going to be the exact same fucking result. And uh, it, I don't know. I don't know what the what the solution to that is supposed to be. It's but it's not a great situation for uh, for, for anybody. Oh, man. Uh, well, let's get to RL. Do we call yeah, him gotta, the respectable one? Yes, he's very, very respectable. respectable. We had a, we had a great conversation uh, with with the respectable lawyer, um, and he's going to be coming on the show right after this. Now we are joined by a um, friend of the show and uh, an omnipresent uh, Twitter character. You've probably seen him around with one of his epic I'm threads. not on Twitter that fucking much, Rob. Jesus Christ. Well, it's, that's where I know you from. I mean. <laughs> okay. And anyway, it's our friend, Respectable Lawyer. Respectable Lawyer, how's Hello, it going? I'm doing hey. pretty good tonight. I mean, how good can you be doing these days? But I'm doing good. Yeah. You said this is your first podcast appearance it ever. Is, is that true? It is. Well, let me explain. I was I was holding out uh, to go on Red Scare. Um, and uh, well, look, I have a theory. Well, I'm waiting on my invite as well for that. But. So my theory had been that, look, they're – I don't know how to say this. They're, they're probably just a little too intimidated by the raw sexual magnetism that like flashes yeah. like a neon sign. Uh, yeah. From the subtext of every tweet I've ever posted, yeah. It's gotta be. Um, but dude, they had that Steve Bannon avatar on. Is really does something as well. Mm-hmm. No, no. My point is, they had Steve Bannon on, and <laughs> I mean, fuck, that guy is fucking hot. How do you follow that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, how do you square that circle, right? Like, they're not going to have me on, but they can have Steve Bannon on. Like, I understand 
they're a little fr- but like he god smoke show is the word i'm looking for and yeah. it is yeah um i i kind of it's just started to occur to me that maybe there there might be some ideological differences uh, between <laughs> me and red scare so um i just had to say fuck it i'll just accept whoever asks and and that was you guys so <laughs> congratulations on on being the guys who asked after i realized that i'm never going to be on red scare we're happy to be your first you mm. know so that's that's yeah. always nice well, what you got for me today, gentlemen? We're talking about the news. Sure. <laughs> well, we start we start all of our interviews the same way with a little water cooler talk, asking one of the most important questions you can ask anybody in society. Um, so, as we asked everybody, we now ask you, uh, RL, are you a gamer? Ah, oh, wow, that's boy, isn't that a question? <laughs> yeah, you know, we we live in a a political culture that that is still trying to understand what we mean by things like identity. You know, and uh, I think anytime you get close to one of these kind of things, you know, uh, first of all, let me just say, you probably, you should have checked with me before you asked this question. Um, Okay. Because, well, I mean, look, man, we all have our privacy, right? And like, (laughs) I think for you to like, just assume that I want to talk about my identity. It's kind of a loaded, kind of a loaded question. Yeah. Like, all right. That that being said, um, <laughs> I absolutely fucking murked Call of Duty like straight through 2002 to 2009. Okay. Um, so yeah, like I'm not going to give you my fucking gamer tag because like, I don't know, there might be a way to dox me based off of that. But I guarantee you, I, I, I absolutely destroyed you. You were, you know, I had a fucking okay. thousand game winning streak of the group of dudes on Call of Duty and Domination. Yeah. So, but, but at the same time, like, you know, then you go to law school and then you start being a lawyer and like... I don't know. Then, then you're just all you play is fucking Fallout, you know. Um, and I'll, I, my contention is, if you play Fallout, you're not a gamer. That's a silly. Whoa, thing to play. wait, whoa. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not. Like, I think there's a there's a whole different thing you're doing there, and it's not gaming. Uh, I don't know what it is, but of course I've I'm fucking half obsessed with Skyrim, Fallout, basically anything that'll play like that. Okay. I, I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's what a glutton for punishment I am too. I'll just play anything <laughs> like that. Um, but but okay. anyway, recently, the reason I would say yes that now I'm a gamer is I have a son and we play Lego games and holy cow, that's some gaming for you folks. Um, <laughs> they're surprisingly fun. Uh, I'm not even joking at this point. Yeah, they're very, they're, they're very fun. Oh, superheroes, Marvel superheroes, fantastic. I just started playing uh, Marvel superheroes with my son as well, like the, the, a couple weekends ago. He really likes that. You know, shit. and like, just like when I was a kid and I memorized every Transformer, he memorizes everything. And so now he has the entire character roster from Marvel superheroes, Lego DC superheroes, Jurassic Park, and the Star Wars games completely memorized. He's he's quizzing me on something like six, seven hundred characters a day, and it's so yeah, Lego games on the mark. Other thing I'm just going to plug right here, I don't sell these, but Jesus, if you've got the money from just like, oh, I need to blow some, I don't spend money on myself. I'm a lawyer, gives away a ton of my money. Doesn't, I drive a 2004 car. Like, don't, like I don't do shit like this. I bought a PSVR. And God, wow, you play No Man's Sky or something like that on PSVR. Okay, we need to shut the hell up because I didn't come here to talk games. But, oh, put on a it's PSVR. Cool. It's we love your passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank well, you, sir. You've Thank passed you. the first anyway, like, that's litmus the test. Thing. That's okay. great. The conversation can continue. Usually, we have to cut people off there and then end it. So. <laughs> well, I, I imagine you know you get people worked up. They have a heated gamer moment, and you yeah. don't want one of those. You never right? want a like, heated game. No, them. absolutely, you don't mm-hmm. want. Well, then we just keep it in our compromise folder, so we have some yeah. compromise on all our guests. <laughs> oh. We get them all riled up, and then we get some. Why do you think Ken was suspended? <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we got all kinds of dirt on that guy. Don't even get us started on that. That's... 
when the mic's off, I mean, he, he seems like a pretty Ooh, pleasant guy, and then the mic's Jesus off is just all Christ. kinds of nasty. Toxic. Yeah. Nasty guy. I don't have an opinion on Ken. I don't want to incur this wrath. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be part of this. Uh, he's got a mean lawyer, too. I don't know if y'all know her. God, I'm scared of her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not messing up. Shouting out Beth, but no, I'm not messing with her. <laughs> Uh, respectable lawyer, the main thing mm-hmm. that was going on in the news cycle this week, there's a bunch of stuff we can get to here, but I think the main thing that uh, that sucked up all the oxygen of the news cycle this week was stonks. You want to talk about stonks? Oh, fucking stonks. I mean, I guess we can for a moment. Gee, this was funny. I mean, look, how much more can we all talk about? All of our group chats turned into stock trading sessions. I know. It all turned it into like so, boiler room. Uh, God damn funny. <laughs> so just to give you a couple anecdotes, I'm not naming anybody names. Um, but the, I know some people who did some really stupid stuff and some really smart stuff. I know somebody who ended up making $500 off Dogecoin, of all things, jumps in on that in the middle of the, the night, and then it jumps up to $0.07, cents and they're trying to get it go to a dollar. And and he jumps out of the thing with $500. And then I see a guy who, like, after the, like, all the shit already goes down with, with GME and AMC and all of the short stock stuff, and he and he throws down, like, darn near a month's salary on into AMC, and it's like, that's the day trading is suspended, and the stock goes through the, the floor, and now, yeah, he's out of month's salary. And so, you, you see all these people who have no idea what they're doing, no clue, and it's just this chaotic series of events that are coming in on your timeline of people who are doing stuff, um, and, and for most of us, I think it was just this weird passing fad. It was like Beanie Babies in 30 seconds. Like it just <laughs> went and came and went. And I don't know what's going to happen this week. You know, you got all these people on Wall Street Bets who are talking like, oh, we're just going to keep holding and purchasing more GME. Although I think, you know, the key to this all was the ease of availability for new entrants into this, essentially this pyramid scheme of a short squeeze to be able to buy GME very easily and do that. And now with Robinhood restricting both the ability to buy fractional shares and the ability to buy stocks at all, um, I, I don't see how they keep up that momentum. And, and I'm realizing as I'm saying this, talking on your podcast, that all of this sounds absolutely insane coming out of my mouth because we're talking like we're stock guys or some shit. Like <laughs> well, this is the CNBC hour and we know all that. Like we've been forced fed all of this stuff just by this fad that we all know it now. Um, and, and so I'm actually right now, I've, I ended up making a little bit of money out of it just for playing with it because, you know, you throw 20 and $30 into things here. Um, and I'm just going to take all that money and sink it into Alibaba now while I watch this next week and just <laughs> see what the rest of y'all do because um, it's going to be really funny because I, I have a feeling there's going to be all of these weird mimetic pump and dump attempts that are going to go on this week and, and some of them are going to fly and some of them are going to crash and burn. Uh, and, and watching the whole internet chase around them while posting rocket ships and being like, Daddy Musk going to take me to the moon. Like it's all <laughs> losing its mind. And, and I, I, you know, if there's one thing that I've enjoyed in this sort of Trump years and now entering Trump pre post Trump period, it, it is watching people lose their mind with this sort of shit of like their culture doesn't make any sense anymore. Nothing acts like it's supposed to rules don't change. Um, so all of it's been fun, but, but so many people have been trying to spin it as this, um, I don't know, this, this great confrontation with the system. And I think one of the things that this really shows you, um, is when you saw how how the big money fought back. There's no war here. You're going to cost some people some money, yes, but this isn't this isn't the people taking over Wall Street. You know, twenty percent of of GameStop is owned by Fidelity. For fuck's sake, like it's this is 
This is it. I'm, I'm getting concerned that this is getting portrayed as an Occupy Wall Street type yeah. event or or something that is. I mean, look, there are people who are benefiting of it and there are people who are going to lose their shit, too. That's the other sad part of it. But but I think the 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 involvement of institutional actors is getting heavily downplayed um, in, in all this fun we're having. And, and man, the next few weeks, we're really going to have to reckon with what the fuck actually happened. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that is the thing, like when when Robin Hood cut off the ability of people to continue to buy these meme stocks, I understand the outrage. And I had like, obviously, it's like it was very kind of at the behest of uh, of these powerful people. But like I do also this is maybe kind of a contrarian take, but I do also kind of think that that probably prevented some people from completely losing their shirts and like <laughs> just like randos going all in on this and putting their whole fucking savings into this thing, which they probably would have ended up lo- losing. So that may have actually saved. I think some you're right about that. Uh, savings. No, I do. I think you're right. I, I think I don't. I don't think that was its goal. I don't think that was its primary outcome. But I think it did that. Um, and and it's you know anytime you see one of these get rich quick things. You, you know people are going to get burned by it. You know there's going to be people who are slower and who don't think this through right and get emotionally – and they're going to get burned. And it happens every time with one of these get-rich-quick schemes. And it's – you know I mean I don't have to tell you guys like this is – the problem with people being so desperate for a quick – rich scheme it's it's pretty obvious what's going on i mean this is it's people have always chased this kind of shit but right at this particular moment is we're real sensitive to this but my 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 frustration with this uh and i i I agree largely that like people are embellishing uh, and being a bit overzealous with the overall impact of this moment um but i do think it represents a few different things uh one i think the institutional power and it wasn't just robin hood that restricted trades it was like fidelity and e-trade and a handful yeah. of other brokers that when the stock was peaking when when gme was peaking they were limiting closing positions well you could argue that's like to the benefit of that hedge fund that took a notoriously risky short position and where was that intervention when toxic assets were bundled together and sold yeah. as mortgage-backed securities and CDOs that ultimately ended up disrupting the system and led to people losing their houses, losing their retirements. But then the then Wall Street got their fucking bailouts. So the hedge fund, on their own volition, put themselves in a notoriously risky position with this with this short, and that was uh, I believe like a hundred to to leveraged like hundred and thirty percent of their fund um, uh, on this short position notoriously risky and they made a bad bet and people realized that and they started to fuck with them well that's basically how institutional players operate constantly and i think yeah we we should recognize the institutional players on the other side like blackrock and goldman but i i don't necessarily think that means that all systems should get shut down to protect a hedge fund uh, that's ultimately what oh, God, I, I no. read it as, and it's, uh, it's, a bit, it's just a bit well, look frustrating. Look what to the price, and then all of a sudden you get a volume of of purchasing mm-hmm. that is all happening, of course, while your your vast majority of retail traders are locked out of that process. And it's very clear what the benefit was. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are trying to puzzle out exactly why you have people like, and and, and you're right. It's it's Robin Hood, it's it's Schwab, Ameritrade, it's Webull are all making that action, and a lot of their excuses seem to be pointing at their clearinghouse requirements and 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 the capital capital intricacies of that. And and there's a lot of people who are saying that doesn't hold water. And there's there's a good question of was there an, an either a, a direct conspiracy 
or some sort of conscious signaling to each other and a conscious awareness during that trading day of, of to keep that trading closed for those purposes. And I think those are legitimate questions that are being asked in a lot of lawsuits that just got filed. Uh, but what, however you look at it, uh, there's no question that this helped demonstrate that the market is just insanely stacked in favor of the players who are heavily invested in it. Absolutely. So it's, you know, I I had had a viral tweet the day this went down of saying um, everybody's treating the stock market like it's a fucking game because it is. Um, and and right after that, the next day when they shut down all the trading, I had to retweet that with just a reminder: people cheat in games, right? Like don't <laughs> yeah. don't. There was there was the interesting thought, and I, I mathematically I think this makes sense. There's a, there's a poster on Wall Street Bets who says, look, if you've got GME and a position where you've got you've got an, it, it the the number of short positions are exceeding the number of shares, and you're putting a short squeeze on it with some collective action. That is an ATM. That is a money printing machine, guaranteed mathematically without corruption. But the problem is, is this market is not a free market. It is. It, it has inherent and built-in corruptions by the basis of how it works. And so this is, I think, a nice, hopefully should be a nice introduction particularly a lot to these um, anti-establishment market libertarians uh, that that their dream system does not and cannot exist in, in the accumulations of large amounts of capital. And what's what's absolutely hilarious to me is when they get confronted with that fact, you see them posted on Twitter of, you know, Robin Hood, you need to knock this communist shit off right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what you're looking at. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's their default is what whatever it is against their, their particular value set. But this should just blow any sense of like, um, um, you know, an, an anarcho-capitalist ethic in America. It just does not exist. So you people have no fucking homes and it can never exist. Um, so I don't, you know, it's, it's interesting. You've been seeing a whole lot of this idea of, of these anarcho-libertarians are our friends or something. There's some sort of allies against us with the establishment. And it's like, no, they want to to erase and to, to do enough structural damage so that a, a wonderland of exploitation is available to them. Uh, and and they, they do not have your same goals in terms of, of advancing social or economic justice. Uh, and, and I certainly hope this, this Robin Hood thing doesn't lead us to a a place where we're like, this is the future of, of anti-establishment populism. Because I think there's a lot of people, a lot of powerful people who would love for things like, um, you know, these anarcho-libertarians on Wall Street bets and these these same type of anarcho-beliefs that you see in Boogaloo, they would love for that to be the face of populism for the next four years. Yeah. And we absolutely can't let that happen. Oh, damn. I guess we just got to deregulate Wall Street even more. Duh, darn. I can't believe <laughs> it forced <laughs> us to do this. <laughs> damn it. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny. It's funny when all this went down, you know, uh, the discourse had to be about stocks and shit. And here I am talking about it with seemingly some knowledge. My wife was laughing at me like, I can't imagine the world doing a worse thing to you than having to think about fucking money and think about these things. And I was like, it really is the truth that I can't believe there's there's people who do this for a job every day is just fucking look at those charts and numbers. Yeah, pretty grim. Do that shit. It's fucking grim. Yeah, I, I... Since then, we've seen people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and we've seen uh, Sherrod Brown and Maxine Waters and and several other members of Congress now say that they want to investigate uh, Robin Hood. They want to investigate what happened. And I think that's you know probably a good step. It's always great to see you know congressional hearings uh, uh, in relation to overseeing Wall Street behavior. Whether or not that amounts to anything <laughs> remains to be seen, and is probably unlikely. Um, 
But it is it is a promising uh, development. Is it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. You know, I mean, I'm at this point, and I don't know if y'all are there, but like that anything that Congress does, it's very difficult for me to get emotionally invested in it whatsoever. Like the, that that national politics is so f- profoundly fucking broken um, that when I you say, all right, there's going to be investigations and looks into Robin Hood and some shit's going to result out of that. Do, do I do I honestly give a fuck what results out of that? Because I don't think that it's going to be that much material benefit for the American people over virtually anything else that I think they should be doing. Um, and and it's just that I can't. I know what it's going to do. You, look, this there's the, the 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 inflection moment comes to where you're going to do some sort of piece of securities regulation, and who the hell do you think is going to be involved in that and writing all of that stuff? But all of the friendliest people to the securities industry, which is like Mark Warner and all those ghouls in, in the Democratic Senate, who who are going to be oh, that's this is. If this is the chance to do it, we're going to write it in the most absolutely spectacularly friendly way to the people we like and to injure the people we don't like. And and those distinction is they're both people in the market. They just happen to be different people they do or do not like. And at this point, I just get so frustrated with it that I throw up my hands and say the next the next decade of politics for me is almost entirely at the local level. And and I can't I just can't stomach it anymore. So when you say hey let's let's get geared up to talk about potential um, legislative fixes to Robin Hood, I almost like oh man I just I, like I'm put down my headphones y'all y'all get to that and I'll I'll be back in a second. <laughs> I don't know man I'm getting there I'm I know I'm getting curmudgeony but man it's hard not to it really is it's it's you know what I look at it. Like I, I saw some really promising things happen locally. You know, here in Houston, we got a we got a, a, a slate of DSA guys who and and some I, I don't mean to say guys. We got we got some some women who are DSA who won judgeships here, criminal misdemeanor judgeships, and they are just absolutely throwing sand into gears of that whole damn process. You virtually can't get a misdemeanor indictment in Houston right now. It is damn. They got a forum shop to do it, um, but they're doing like some other really good stuff. You know, the, the DA down here came after a doctor who opened up some COVID vaccines um, at the end of the day during a, a you know a line that goes through and and at the end of the day now that that box has been open if he can't get those into arms in the next six hours after even close you gotta throw those away so he's on his phone with his health department supervisors or a list can I get some people he offers it to all the first responder people in the parking lot none of them take it so he starts finding everybody who's over 65 on his cell phone later that night and gives it to you know gives them vaccines they wanted to prosecute his ass for, for taking those vaccines and this DSA misdemeanor judge said, no, dismiss, get that out of my court. I cannot believe you would attempt to criminalize the distribution of a vaccine. I mean, this isn't a guy who's stealing it for profit or to give it to somebody. It's fascinating to me how what I think is the real battleground of politics. And I saw this this summer when we were starting to fight in different cities about police reform and police you know, abolition and things, um, is that the, the greatest strides that progressive politics will make is in local city councils, local judges, local things like that, who then enact things that will then be challenged to the Supreme Court. And it'll be a battle between our stacked Supreme Court and local progressive initiatives. And that reminds me in a lot of the ways of how some very early civil rights, pre, pre-Warren pre Court civil rights happened. And to me, that's an interesting fight. Like all of that going on is super interesting. But I look, you know, I look at these things like people fighting over things like force the vote and things like this and and things that are happening in the United States Congress. And I'm like, guys, just look at the situation and know when things are grim. Like there, there is no progressive project in America right now at the national level. We, I, I hate to say it, but we have gotten just thrashed. 
I mean, it's particularly if you look back to where we were in 2018 and it looked to be um, that the progressive wing of the party was going to have a, an outsized influence on what was happening with the party and certainly has been extremely successful in, in, in convincing rank and file Democrats that that's the agenda, should be the agenda of the party. But, you know, I, I see people screaming at AOC all the time uh, about her not doing more or whatever. And I'm like, that woman is fighting for her political life right now. She is so weak right now. Um, she was she was re- reasonably strong in 2018 and seemed to be able to mount a challenge. But if you're looking for her to mount a challenge or do anything progressive for you, she's not going to be able to do it uh, because they've got her in a corner. Um, so, well, yeah, it's like I understand why people are desperate and pissed off and want, 100%. And want like totally get that. But it's like, yeah, at a certain point, it's just like, what what exactly do you expect her to do? Like she, she just doesn't have the power to do the things that you want her to do. That's that's the unfortunate reality that uh, American progressives are dealing with right now. Yeah, and I just I wish people would detach themselves a little bit from this of, of like having the sense of disappointment that that she wasn't this thing that they wanted to do when you sent her to Washington to be part of the United States Imperial State, right? Like there, there's she's by by sending her there, she's definitionally going to do awful things. That's that's true if you sent Bernie Sanders to the White House, and it's he'd probably do way less awful things than a lot of people, but there are still going to be some really really terrible things he's going to do. And right now, I'm just looking at it realistically of, of looking at the political landscape. And thinking, are, is there anything on the progressive ask list that is even remotely possible in national politics? And I just don't think so. I think when you look at the examples of, of quote unquote, push Biden left, you look at the things like, um, like, like, geez, like the, the freaking stimulus payment, right? And and like, yeah, you push them and it pushes back. And 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 I really don't think you make a ton of progress towards anything transformative. So I'm I'm not thinking that's the correct avenue to pursue those things. And, and I have some sympathy with people who say stuff like, all right, well, then the real solution here is we have to get a third party together and that that third party has to consolidate some sort of power. But until you attack proportional voting, that's absolutely meaningless. That is throwing money in a bag and setting it on fire. I mean, you just like if you just go to Wikipedia real quick, look up Diverger's Law. You will understand you cannot have a two-party system in a proportional representation system. Every single system has a, I mean, and first past the poll systems, right? If, if your if your system is proportionally represented, then you can have uh, multi-party systems like you do in, in a lot of countries in Europe and and like you do even in India. Um, but if as long as we're first past the poll in voting, there's two parties. That's just the state of the end. So your your solution is either check out of that system and achieve power and achieve politics through non-electoral means, through direct action, through unionization. Or if it's not going to be that, you have to take one of those parties by the throat and kill it. And 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 there was there was some effort to to transform the party from inside. Like DSA is not a separate party, right? It, it seeks to ultimately take be the controlling faction of the Democratic Party. That struggle. While I think noble and it's great to get people elected at lower levels so that maybe that can filter up, can finally fucking happen, that doesn't really confront the problems we're facing right now. So to me, those debates are kind of boring to me right now. I want to know what are you doing to try to mobilize political power right now in this moment? And I know you're not doing that if you're trying to organize a third party or if you're trying to lobby Congress. Neither of those things do that right now. Um, So to me, none of those conversations are interesting. God, I'm going to get so much hate mail for saying all of that. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. And it's, you know what also sucks about this whole I, – I think I just veered us into this whole discussion. And I didn't really mean to. But what sucks so much about some of this left disunity and these discussions and force the vote and all of this is aside from Jimmy fucking Dore, who at this point I am going to call him Jimmy fucking Dore because I'm just goddamn sick of him and the boogaloo thing, all of it. He's just, oh, he's just aggravating me. Friend aside of the show. from him – 
I fucking love everybody involved in both sides of that debate. Like, absolutely yeah. adore them. I can't tell you how like, fuck, I look at people like, um, take somebody like Sam Cedar, right? I love Sam Cedar, just great guy. But you look on the other end and I see him beefing with, with, with Bree, and God do I love Bree. She's just such a lovely and wonderful and educated person who is always has a fucking interesting answer to a policy question at any moment, even if I don't agree with it, which 98% of the time I do. And to see people like that, like we're just getting, and it's not them, honestly, like it's not, and, and I say this because I see a lot of these people and we're, it's nobody's really trying to go at each other's throat, but it's these legion of online parasocial support groups that, that have formed that are yeah. at each other's throat and yelling and screaming at each other and tearing at each other. And I'm just, I don't need it. I, I love having this large group of people in my life on my phone that give me a sense of the varied <laughs> types of different people on the left who live at various stations in life. But when I see that amount of negativity, God, I've wanted to check out recently. I just don't. Yeah, we've it's kind of resolved really to not yeah. not talking about it that much anymore, just because people were like very frustrated that if we if we didn't share the same viewpoint. I mean, there was <clears throat> there was one episode we did where we tried to talk about it, and we talked about how if you wanted that outcome. Right. If you want that floor vote and you think that's going to be a, a mobilizing factor for Medicare for all, that's going to give you momentum on that front. That premise alone, I don't think we, either of us felt too strongly about. We didn't we weren't really convinced by it. But here, if that's what you want, that's the outcome you want. We said, OK, here's what you can do without risking control. You're already on a thin margin and you can do that with pretty much every vote now because any basically any floor vote in the house they're going to need they're 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 going to need squad buy-in so you can leverage it there uh and, and not upset leadership at a time where you're you need to curry favor with them just because that's that's just kind of the fucking timing because they're also assigning committee seats so hey if you want this you could do you could do this any other vote and leverage the same thing get the same get the same outcome People were upset that we would even suggest that. Never mind that, like, and then it was like, oh, you you want Pelosi in there. Isn't the entire strategy of force the vote to could give her the votes to retain, retain her speakership in exchange for this? It was just like, there was this cognitive dissonance around the whole thing. It was like, we don't want, we hate Pelosi, we don't want her, but also, like, you have to do it our way and she has to be in there in exchange for this vote. People well, kind so of that's like, when you realized it had gotten completely off the rails and toxic, which yeah. is just like any like any so like slight disagreement or anyone anyone saying like ah, I'm not so sure about this is just like you love Pelosi, you're, you're a liberal, you're a Biden bro now, yeah, you sure. liberal shill, and that's when you know that there's people that are like kind of manipulating the discussion in that way in a really like unhelpful <laughs> way. Um, yeah. to allow I, them I, to position themselves as like, I am the true arbiter of who's the real <laughs> sort of anti-establishment. And then you just know it's just complete bullshit and there's no point in arguing about it. Anyway, just so, so unhelpful. Like, but yeah, it's saying, I, I, I share your sentiment. It's, it's frustrating to see all these people that we like and admire and respect just form factions over this bullshit that's already past us. That's gone. It's in the past. It's, we can't even do it anymore. We can't even do it. And they're still <laughs> it talking is, about yeah, it. They're still, still fighting going. about it. Well, Get part over of it too just, is I think just people, it's like an, it's an expression of the fact that there was this Bernie movement from basically 2015 to 2020, <laughs> um, where that had like all these kind of disparate, uh, groups, uh, and, and mm -hmm. sort of 
the left wing uh, identifying people all kind of pulling in the same direction. Uh, and then it's an expression of the fact that that failed and it didn't work out. And everyone now is just kind of like angry, I think, and, and frustrated so, and no, not sure where to turn. This is a recent and, thing. I don't buy that, right? Because, okay, look, I'm not – I am the last I – mean, literally the last person on fucking Twitter who should lecture people about how we get Medicare for all. Because fucking years ago when I didn't know fucking shit about Kamala Harris, I'm like, oh, fucking first co-sponsor of Medicare for all and she's got a fucking liberal base in California. She's – like if it comes down to her and Biden, let's put her in the fucking White House and get Medicare for all. It's how fucking pragmatic I am. I'm like, I, yeah, she's going to probably launch a million wars, but like so is everybody. And at this point, I didn't think Bernie was even going to fucking run, right? And I don't fucking know how to get Medicare for all. I have no idea. I'm, I'm fooled by anything, anybody who will promise and wave fucking shiny keys in front of me. So I'm not making that suggestion. But but what's what's really baffling to me about this whole thing is that for so long we had been such a united front that even if you start thinking about the little factions that started peeling off like you got your war and dims right we all have fucking image of in our head right and and a lot of times you this is people in my fucking peer cohort you know these are professional class people um who who were always under this progressive wing but were never really solidified in the bernie movement and then you you got you got the tulsi heads who kind of peel off to the side too right who who those folks are like, you know, the obsessed with WikiLeaks types who are, who are like that. They have a very internationalist kind of leftist view and some of them kind of skate over into some anime alt-right stuff that I just can't even fathom. But they're also a tiny little group. But when it came down to the like the core of, of even post-election of what Bernie's people were, um, it was a really unified group. And to me, in terms of at least the online – gosh, the online leftist commentariat for whatever pathetic – existence it may have uh it fractured it in fucking two when force the vote came along in ways that i've never seen before um and and i'm just that's why i'm so mad at myself right now for even broaching into this topic because the sooner we put it to bed the better. <laughs> yeah thank you for that by so, the way yeah, yes extremely it, sorry guys um <laughs> my bad so the stock market oh fucking christ <laughs> if jimmy door tweets about me tomorrow think i, I i'm small I enough to stay off i this can't fucking imagine radar, i can't imagine God. he listens to this I, I do not think so. I doubt that. it. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. <laughs> Maybe he does. That would be really funny. Uh, he can go fuck himself. Well, no, but okay, so, but honestly, <laughs> it's it's. I think it's good that you brought it up actually because the, another thing came up with that discourse lately, and it's something that you touched on when you were talking about the sort of Wall Street populist thing and like, is this the new sort of establishment for versus anti-establishment, and something that. Door has been talking about lately, which is another thing that had had uh, had the the online uh, discourse pop in this week. Was like, do we do we need to align with like the Boogaloo Boys and these like right wing militia types? Uh, because you know a lot of these guys they'll come out and they'll say like we're against the wars and we're. Um, in this case, this guy was kind of saying like, oh yeah, we support Black Lives Matter and we support gay rights and all that stuff, which I think maybe you can maybe not just take at face value and maybe interrogate a little bit more before you start like being like, wow, this is great. It's um, illegal to lie, Rob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so RL, I'm, I am, so are mm -hmm. you pro like working with uh, right-wing militia groups to... Uh, I don't even know what to do what, and that that remains unclear to me. But that's apparently apparently the next step is like a socialist utopia. Um, all right, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up because I had some some interaction with this whole thing. Like, first of all, I just straight up to Jimmy, like 
<laughs> you got absolutely fucking played by some reactionary culture jammers, and it's so fucking embarrassing. I, 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 if you understand, if you spend a moment understanding what this movement is and has been for its entire life, you understand how badly you got played. But like, even back that up, like, I don't. That's just dumb. A lot of people in mainstream media fell for the same shit too. They like came out to these protests and were like, they're holding Black Lives Matter things. What the hell is going on here? I got into it with actual boogaloos in all of these mentions for this. And, you know, one of them posts one of these memes. Y'all know the astronaut meme with the gun to the back of the head yeah, and he's yeah. looking at the planet, right? It's that and he's looking at the planet. The planet's got a boogaloo flag on it. Didn't even know if y'all knew it had a flag, but it fucking does. It's an igloo next to a palm tree. And it's like kind of like a Blue Lives Matter flag, except the line is like Hawaiian print. It's just... Ah, whatever. Jesus Christ. It's a thing. So it's the meme, and the, the astronaut, you know, has the gun to the back of the guy's head, and the guy's going, wait, it's not about white supremacy or whatever? And the guy's like, never was, you know, and he's going to, which also, before we get too much farther in this, the idea that he's got a gun to the back of his head is just so fucking chef's kiss for exactly what Boogaloo is. But you get, I, I took a look at this guy, and then you go to his timeline, and like, Two posts down is it's it's guys an ammunition company and he's out on the firing range and it's like hey we're running some Rittenhouse drills, the Rittenhouse drills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. right yeah yeah so this guy's Great. got some Rittenhouse drills I wonder going what he on, means and he's by tagging that. like yeah. like Dana Lotion <laughs> shit hey it's just about situational awareness okay that's all it doesn't mean there's nothing else to it. If you need to lay down your but, life for a Ford dealership, this is how we practice. Yeah. Okay, no bullshit. First of all, the guy that Jimmy Dore was actually arguing with, like, fucking comes in and says, no, I think that's totally cool. And he used that same argument. I mean, how could you not admire Kyle marksmanship and situational awareness and tactical <sighs> skills or whatever yeah. the fuck? I managed and, like, to not you, admire oh, you it should, still. You should mimic I'm it in practice. That, yeah. Which is basically like, like, how could you not admire fucking Hannibal Lecter's butchery skills? You gotta fucking do like, <laughs> like, fuck off. Like, but so talking to these guys, though like put aside for a moment whether or not supporting and, and like not just like doing celebratory bullshit geek shit and tagging Dana Loesch about Kyle Rittenhouse whether that has to do anything with white supremacy put that aside for the fucking moment you're now talking about you want to team up with motherfuckers to like take out the pigs you know to like we're, this the shit's going down wall to wall insanity civil war we're going up against the pigs and you want those guys to have your back the guys who are out there celebrating this fucking pro-cop militia this fucking how, how do you how do you possibly make that work how could you if you were a genuine revolutionary ever think that you were safe with those people by your side there's there's just it's so dumb as to avoid any serious discussion by anybody who considers themselves a revolutionary but but if you even if you're just talking about like overall our political discourse like what's going on and 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 are these um Sort of like this this Lost Boys phenomenon uh, that like ContraPoints used to touch on a little bit. We got to save these guys out of the alt-right. Is that what really good? That's not what the fuck is going on with these guys. These guys are hardcore weirdos. These are high-octane mutant reactionary freaks. And some of them through the natural course of their lives will, will become completely different people. But these are not... There is a giant pool of human beings in this country who are completely politically disengaged and not involved in the process, and they have they have all of this this not just organizing but indeed revolutionary potential. Yeah, maybe and reach out to, to them. To spend yeah. a single fucking second looking at these guys and like making a show out of it, like get the fuck out of here. Do you not understand what it is about? Because it's it's so. That's the thing is so many of these contortions and these little these little um, um, 
These acts that are put on are so transparent these days in politics that it becomes exhausting for me. It becomes absolutely exhausting that the people who are engaging all of them, are, like they expect me to, to believe it like it's really shitty wrestling kayfabe, like it is not done well at all. And it's, I know you don't care about the things you are pretending to care about at the moment when you say them. And it, it makes me want to choke you. I'm sorry. I'm again going to a very dark place tonight. <laughs> it, it tends um, to happen often on this show. Very upset yeah. with this politics that are happening right now. So which okay. is again why we just absolutely had a wonderful day today on Twitter talking about the dog shampoo because it was just a delightfully human moment of idiocy, and we all loved it. We just basked in it. It was warming. It felt felt just. It felt like I'm like when you go home for Thanksgiving and your mom has all the, the stuff laid out, and it's like I understand this. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely stupid. I get it. Well, when it I comes to it. like the Boogaloo Boys and just or just generally, because this this argument's been going on like as long as like the alt right movement has been around. I'm just like, oh yeah, a lot of these guys like they're against the endless wars and they're against the established. They think both parties are corrupt, so naturally we can find some like common cause with them. But it's like these fucking people sit around and like openly fantasize about throwing people like us out of helicopters like that yeah that happened to me in that in my discussions where where do these like right-wing like libertarian guys where do they stand on like medicare for all and like the big and like government administered healthcare programs i'm not so sure that they're for that kind of stuff yeah, like they literally I'm, even if you might happen to agree on some of these few like anti-establishment or like anti-war or, or anti-drug law libertarian kind of things like their vision for the kind of society they want to create is literally like diametrically opposed to like anything that we would consider acceptable so the idea that like these are people that we should be talking to or trying to like coalition with uh it's just it's fucking ludicrous and it's it's wild to see people that i know even getting kind of caught up in this it's just like i will give what is going on i I can't fucking believe this shit some of the usual suspects on this were, were on this um but i was really impressed to see all of left twitter all of left twitter like unify and say fuck you no way <laughs> you know, um, I saw with yeah. my friend uh, Aaron Poseidus Trap God uh, just like lit in just like, I'm sorry, but like if, if, if this is who you want me to hang out with, if this is who you want me to support, like we need to talk and, and you're not going to like how that talk goes because particularly if it's face to face. And he lit out on a series of tweets all day that just exactly spelled it out that you, you can't possibly expect us. To, to, to hold a, a multi-ethnic revolutionary coalition together that, that says, look at these guys and we should really examine and interrogate and bring them into here. It, that, that does not function. And so to see, I saw just left Twitter just absolutely erupt against it. And it was good. Good for y'all guys. Keep up doing what you're doing. I love you all. Yeah, it's, it's, it really reveals people uh, like, the, like uh, Jimmy Dore to just be completely unserious people who are ultimately motivated by... Uh, views and 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 brand proliferation or ch- channel growth, all of that kind of stuff, and he's now resorting just kind of like shock and awe style tactics uh, because that's ultimately what these kind of algorithms incentivize. If 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 he had some stale, boring academic come on talking about. Uh, like you just said, uh, maybe historical underpinnings and 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 justifications for a multiracial radical coalition. That's not going to do the same amount of numbers as people hate watching a Boogaloo Boy interview. Well, look, I'm and not going. I'm that. not going to be one of these guys who says you can't platform that guy, right? You can't put him. I'm on not your saying. Show. I'm yeah, not right? saying that, but I think that's his. That that's his ultimate motivation. I think people are 100%. trying to defend him, especially with the force to vote stuff, saying like, "Oh, he just wants healthcare." People invoked his own uh, health 
uh, issues to justify that. Well, no, it's it's not. That's not it. He is very clearly after reviews. That's why he's doing this kind of stuff. That's why when we were having that de- original debate, he was demanding stakeholders and members of Congress come on his show. It's not about a serious dis- that's why that's how he ends up in this position. Yeah. And that's why he's yeah, he's no doing doubt. the same type of like, oh woe is me uh, approach like the right. It's like, oh they don't want me. They want to deplatform. They want to silence me. They don't they, no shut up. No, you're not be- no, you're not being silenced. You're just an idiot. And he's the wrong guy to interview a Boogaloo boy at the end of the day. That's Absolutely. what it really is. Absolutely. He's not he's not in the yeah. right water. I'm telling you, give me a give me that Boogaloo boy, let me cross examine him. I will leave you with a <laughs> trembling freak left like a puddle on the water. Like I mean this is this is not I and I hate to say that because look, I I have cross examined a lot of people in my life. But doing the Boogaloo boy, I'd hand that to a first year associate at my firm any day. Like this is not rocket science. And and to that's how I because I I'll, look I'll I'll admit I, my initial take on that was like wow this guy is just dumb because he got had but the more I think mm-hmm. about it it's like no you weren't had by this guy you cannot just stand there with dopey ass ignorance mouth hanging open of like gosh you believe in Medicare for all like that, that is stop <laughs> don't fucking do that also that's the one goopy you get during the show okay <laughs> hell right yeah there. everybody gets one yeah. But, um, yeah, no, you're not that dumb. You're not that fucking dumb, so let's just stop that shit. Um, but, yeah, I'm actually – I'm kind of glad that discourse is over now. Nobody ever fucking took that seriously. Um, so well, now now we're on to other things to fight about. It has been this strain of, like, a, a certain element of the sort of online left. And there seems to be this reflexive, like – opposition to anything that like the libs are against well we have to maybe it's not that bad and the boogaloo boys is one example the capital riot is another thing it's like oh the libs are really worked up about this capital riot aoc is saying yeah. she feared for her life so therefore it, you know obviously it's being overblown it's not that bad and it's just a bunch of like you know liberal bullshit then or so the same thing like oh let's we need to shut down this like online right-wing misinformation uh radicalization pipeline that's leading to like mass shootings and stuff <laughs> oh the liberals are now on this so yeah. i have to kind of be against it yeah you know? yeah yeah, and that sort of thinking just does not appeal to me because if, if I'm in this to one thing, it's to think that everybody is wrong. You know, it's I'm I'm fucking smarter than everybody else, so that's why I'm in this, right? Why else would you be on fucking Twitter? So to me, it's like I look at anybody on any one of those issues and go, yeah, if you're a dumb lib talking about how we deal with misinformation, you're absolutely fucking wrong. And if you're one of these on the other side of that, you're probably also really fucking wrong too. Like to tie it back to uh, to tie it back to the Robin Hood thing. So AOC calling that out and saying oh, it's not acceptable that they're limiting these transactions, and then Ted Cruz kind of tried to like weasel his way into that, uh, and she was yeah, like, "Fuck was off!" Fun. Like you tried, you almost got me killed like last week. I haven't forgotten about this. Like go away. And then you had a bunch of people being like, "Oh, I can't believe that!" Like she's saying that she almost he almost got her killed. Like that's that's crazy that she would say that. I Can mean, you believe? And obviously did, Ted Cruz like, got to take him seriously when he's like trying to weasel his way into this. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Movement. I'm sure the spouse of a Goldman Sachs executive really fucking cares. I'm yeah. sure he's gonna be he's gonna be a partner in in an effort to reign in Wall Street. The guy whose wife works at Goldman fucking Sachs. So, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. This is what I'm saying when I say that I know that the pe- things that people are saying that they don't fucking believe in them, and that's that's true of 90 percent of politics, and that is why. For whatever complaints you may have about AOC, and and I I, I have some, and we can yeah. talk about them someday. Uh, but but I don't have I'm, 
the one thing I can't complain about is is most of the time she's saying something, she believes what's coming out of her mouth. She cares about what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And and you can say that she's um, politically opp- opportunistic, and I believe that, which every good legislator should be. But but I don't – yeah, I don't get the same sense of like I know you're doing a fucking weird act. Um, and, and every time that she does is when I get absolutely frustrated with her. You know, like how can you – you see something like that's that's promising. You see this person who wants to buck a lot of things and, and, and start talking in the language that you want to have certain issues talked about. Um, but it's it's funny. I always feel if a character like her, it's like, like – like I'm, I'm shocked at how fast, at least among people who are into politics and who consider themselves on the left, how fast they have moved left over the past four years. Mm-hmm. It is astonishing. And and she hasn't kept up, to be honest. She really hasn't, and that's because she's still a fairly mainstream person. Her and, and her democratic socialism isn't nearly as as radical as it was two three years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I look at that that whole capital riots thing, and I and I think I, I don't think that you know when people make fun of her for like oh her life was a threat, and like that's not bullshit. That's clearly like something that she can say because there was clearly something going on there what i get with the liberals the thing that bugs me about the liberals is treating the actual building or the institution of congress as this sacrosanct fucking place (laughs) that that's the fucking outrage like that's the you know blood was spilled on the honored the sacred shining city in the hill (laughs) shit yeah yeah you you know why that event sucked the reason why do you know how many coups and right-wing death squads we've organized from this very building it's shameful (laughs) the way these I mean, the, no, the, the, the honest truth of it is, is the reason why the Capitol riots upset me, the reason why fuck those people who did it is because that's my fucking vote in there. That's what you were after. You were after to overturn my fucking vote. And in this absolute shithole of a society that's crumbling around us as we speak and everyone can see it, that is my last thing I have is that I get to choose whether I get the soft or hard option, whether I get tortured with the, the feather or the stick, right? And, and you wanted to fucking take that from me and fuck you for wanting to do that. You know, I was trying to explain to people online who were like, they were saying, oh, if a bunch of leftists discharged the building, you would have been for that. Yeah, yeah. probably so. Because <laughs> what they probably would have wanted, I probably wouldn't have felt so, so aggrieved by. The, the intent right? kind of matters it's, in it's, that situation. I tried to make somebody a chart and it was like, all right, so let me make you a chart. BLM people storm a Walmart. Fine, I'm okay with that. BLM people occupy a public building. Fine, I'm okay with that. QAnon people storm a Walmart. Fine, I'm okay with that. QAnon people occupy a building, public building. Get those fucking weirdos out of there. Like that's that's where that's my hard line. I'm sorry, I just don't want those fucking QAnon weirdos in my public buildings. It's just going to make my life hell. But in this particular instance. If the QAnon people had been running into that building because they hadn't gotten a $2,000 fucking stimulus all this fucking year, done some shit like that, I, look, am I – I don't think it's fucking great that a cop died, shit like that, right? But if, if they're breaking through the building and making senators and congressmen scared yeah. over the fact that they have failed in their basic obligations to the people, if they had done it for police violence, if they had been – there's been absolutely no response to systemic police violence. We are storming your building to put like to say, no, this is not good enough. Yeah, I'm probably supporting that. But it's the fucking vote. Like, and yeah. that's what these these right hand fucking right hand widows will never fucking understand. Well, because people tried to make it about that. They said these are just like people that are just frustrated with the the economic situation and the status quo and the, the way that both parties have failed it. No, they just love the fucking apprentice guy and they want him to be president forever. That's <laughs> right. it. That's the end of the story. Oh, yeah, dude. Yes, that's it. <laughs> And and people people lectured me and scoffed at me and like many others, just I'm sure y'all too, 
who tried to describe what the movement we were seeing as a fascist movement, right? And they scoffed at us so much. And then its ultimate culmination was the most profoundly undemocratic political act ever committed by a group of, of fucking protesters or an organized movement, right? I mean, you can say that, that perhaps the secession itself was a more profoundly undemocratic mo- moment, things like that. But, but in terms of this, that is their legacy. Like that was at the end of the day, what they wanted. And they never, what's interesting about those fucking people is they absolutely know what they want, but they can't quite put their finger on it. It's, it's an, it's a elusive thing for them. It's a smoke they're chasing, but they know they fucking want it and they know they feel threatened and they were willing to go to whatever means. And that means absolutely disregarding fucking democracy to do it. And, and that's why I'm like, fuck them. Just absolutely fuck them. And anybody who wants to scold me for that and say, oh, I'm being a dumb lib or whatever. No, like that, that wasn't, that wasn't populism. Like I understand it. That wasn't, you know, there's been moments in history when, which like American left politics has gotten impressive. And it's usually when things like collective labor has done something aggressive. Um, and, and this wasn't that this doesn't look anything like that. Fuck that. Uh, on the AOC thing, I think the weirdest thing that she's done recently, um, to speak to your point about like not keeping up is like having a conversation about the stock market and uh, wall street oversight with like two billionaires um and one of which is running for or one of whom is running for uh california governor on like a zero tax platform who runs a hedge fund out of the cayman islands um like that's not great pretty despicable person uh and and, you know real symptomatic (laughs) of the system and how fucked up it is and how unjust it is he's like a pretty major player in that equation and to have him on uh also when he has a vested stake in um one of the companies and it was like promoting a company that he is like a either like a, a co-owner of or investor in as like an alternative to Robin Hood. It's just like all of these like multiple compounding factors and conflicts of interest. It's like, uh, yeah, sure. Let's have him on to talk about why uh, Robin Hood specifically is bad and quote, as he said, they need to be in jail. It's just like you, you could probably have picked a better person or, or group of people to talk about because another person on there was uh, Alexis Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit, who's also a billionaire. Was went on to talk about uh, just trying to speculate about what it's like to be poor uh, right now. Just it's like, again, you could you could find better people to talk about that. Um, so yeah, I think she's she's had some missteps, and I think that was a pretty fucking glaring one. The Chamat guy, I think it's what his name is, uh, is just not a great person to be lifting up right now. No, is not. No, I mean, there's people keep getting obsessed with these different billionaire entrepreneur types as though there's some sort of anti-establishment figures that happen to feed on to. And, and I don't really get it. Um, I mean, fucking Elon is dead. Like that's disgusting to me right now that, that he has associated with himself with what is being ostensibly portrayed as some sort of um, liberatory economic movement. And here's this billionaire who, I don't know, I think one of y'all, didn't one of y'all post about how much money Elon's gotten during the pandemic? And it's 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 like, I'm no, seeing. fuck you, no, he didn't. Well, that's, that's the thing, like, the, these Wall Street Bets guys, they worship Elon. That's the thing, that's what made me clue in. It's yeah, like, this is not like this, like, this is not like some populist movement. Uh, it's like, they love Elon. And like, Tesla stock, that already is kind of a meme stock. Like, that's, there's no reason why <laughs> he's so overvalued. wealthy man in the world or his stock <laughs> um, price should be so high. It's like, that, it's the reason it's that high is so completely fucking artificial. It's actually kind of a shitty car company that produces barely anything. Major um, production, production bottlenecks. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's colossal. It's c- colossally bad. But yeah, his wealth has grown 154 billion since March 18th of last year. I mean, I think the takeaway from this week, from everything we fucking talked about, is that economic populism at this moment in history is absolutely fucking incoherent. Yeah, it is. It is like it just doesn't. I don't know, man. I'm <laughs> well. What I learned is just Buckle all this. Up, this folks. is all bullshit. It's all fake. Like that's the thing. He's not. He's not <laughs> even a billionaire. Like it's a. It's all just based on this fucking arbitrary system that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. And that's that's. I think that was the positive thing that I think people took away from this was like that became clear to everyone just how completely bullshit this entire system is. The entire like economic model that we like use to run our entire lives and determine who are the people that like have power over us. Like it's just complete nonsense. And that became. <sighs> obvious to everyone this week i don't know man much like the matrix they will they will become hopelessly a nerd on that system and will fight to defend it yep <laughs> and uh it's it's gonna be a long struggle it's gonna be a long struggle guys another thing i wanted well, to i wanted to ask you about um respectable lawyer too because we, we touched on this here was just like this like system of right-wing misinformation and like this can tie together with, with oh, yeah. a lot of this stuff like with the capital riots and the boogaloo boys and all this stuff like the radicalization pipeline that we were talking about uh, i know it's something that you've thought about i mean i've i've thought a lot about it as well i basically became popular online by kind of playing with this right-wing misinformation machine um and now after these capital riots um we see actually a, a concerted movement finally to sort of start to pay attention to this from these tech companies um which predictably with pushback from all uh, all kinds of levels from people that don't want to give tech companies those power um don't want to give tech companies that kind of power and um it, it's a situation where it's just like I, i'm of the opinion that we do need to crack down on this kind of like uh ecosystem this very profitable ecosystem of, of right-wing misinformation that's like radicalizing people into these extremist movements uh but the answer for how we do that like isn't totally clear like do you have any thoughts on that or like what or like how that's supposed to be tackled or, or what y'all are gonna have to book me for another show for that one <laughs> jesus christ do i have a lot of thoughts about yeah, that um yeah we can keep it brief. Look, here's yeah, here's what I'll close with y'all for tonight, and and maybe we should. I would love to come back and talk to y'all about this, and I think a good opportunity to do that is because we're going to be seeing a lot more Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene in the weeks to come. Mm, yes, um, and she's a good flashpoint for a lot of this. Basically, she's the a, most famous she's new a, Congress she's person, a, uh, pretty easily now at this point. You know, and she does. She helps separate some of this because. She's born of the Infowars ecosystem. She she came up through that, but she's not – she's the product of it. She wasn't one of the heartless manipulators who was spinning yeah, she's a believer. Shit. She actually came up on it. Yeah, she, and that's different. And, and it's weird that we're going to – you have to separate the idea of media institutional actors who have skin in the game versus how misinformation develops from, from random sources and then that moves up a strange pipeline and, and – the system, particularly when you saw, um, you know, you saw liability of Alex Jones in those lawsuits, and you saw how the the misinformation machine restructured itself, decentralized itself away from skin in the game actors being the mill and purveyor, and and essentially being repeaters of this. And 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 I don't know. It's a complicated situation that I don't think you can look. You can't legislate your way out of it. You can't litigate your way out of it. You're not. You're not in a situation where you can apply an easy fix. And I think anything you do is going to have the potential of making things worse. But you have to do something, right? And part of it is is the recognition. First, I, I honestly, again, I hate to be grim with y'all, but things are going to get worse before they get better. Um, and we have a new democratizing media. We certainly don't want to go back to a point where we had gatekeeping media 
and and we have it's wonderful there's so many great things about a democratized information system but like fuck we are vulnerable to information warfare and that's that's what you have to think of it as um and and so anyway my elevator pitch solution right or not solution but if i had to say give me resources let's do this massive and i mean massive public funding of independent journalism that's it right because Anything else you're attacking, what you need to create is you need to create a Walter Cronkite on steroids, right? You need to create a PBS that is not politicized, but is a, a huge, a huge institution with the mission of being right on some level. And I don't know, I think if you can create a institution that is trusted in, in terms of not individuals, but institutionally is trusted, that internally polices itself to an aggressive degree, that, that being a member of this organization is an honor that you can lose in a heartbeat, um, and, and do it in such a way where you produce lots of new, independent, non-corporately produced programming, I think people will bite on it and get interested in it and come to it for information. But how you do that in a top-down way, I'm not exactly sure. It, it's it's a, it's a large state project. It's a it's a very much a WPA type thing. And I think to get the motivation to do that is going to be hard. But but that's my pitch. Um, and like I say, I I, I got to run tonight. But I would love to come on back on and and talk about misinformation because I became obsessed with QAnon. I became obsessed with all that bullshit. And man, we got I could I could talk for hours. Well, you're welcome back anytime, sir. It was a pleasure to talk to you about this stuff. <laughs> Excellent, man. Excellent. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, really with, you on the, I'm with you on the media thing. But yeah, another conversation for another day. Absolutely. We almost got a couple of birds Absolutely. in edgewise a couple times there. I know. I'm, that's what I'm glad is that you you caught me at a good time of night. Yeah. Where I just had a couple of drinks and get on, get a little loose and really let you know how I feel. And um, God, I hope you all know how to edit. Cause, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. See, you know what the good thing about Twitter is? They limit the number of characters I have. So very very good thing for me that they they do. It's a public service that they do for all of you. That's why you do those threads? Get around that. Doing less of those these days, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, the last big one was that man that that dog who hates the fucking police. Uh, that was that's a nice little story. Swing by my profile, check my pin tweet on that because that dog always brightens up my day anytime I read about him. But uh, but yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me over. Of course. Do you want to plug the Twitter account before you uh, before we sign off? If you don't know who I am, don't go to my fucking account. Yeah, right. Don't do it. That's fine. <laughs> All right, respectable lawyer. Thanks for thanks for talking to us. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, man. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for listening to the Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, and please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful, and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye. Goodbye.